Welcome to the 10K Collective podcast for six, seven and eight figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers, a part of the amazing FBA family. If you want to scale fast, target a seven figure exit and enjoy the process, then keep listening. Today's episode is sponsored by the new e-commerce podcast, The E-Commerce Leader, co-hosted by myself, Michael Vizi, and Jason Miles, top 1% Shopify store owner and Unimi's highest rated e-commerce instructor. If you're the owner of a thriving e-commerce business, look for The E-Commerce Leader on your favorite podcast app and subscribe today. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the 10K Collective Podcast, the place to do for six, seven and eight figure Amazon sellers. Whether you're on this side of the pond, I'm in London, England, or whether in Europe or indeed in North America, the other side of the rather large pond. Today's guest is from the other side of the pond, from Toronto, Canada, Walid Shazad of ShipHype. ShipHype is a fulfillment centre for e-commerce businesses, and they have locations in Toronto and LA, amongst other things to offer. So welcome back to the show. Thank you, Michael. Thanks so much for coming on. So we've talked in the previous episode about 3PL and what that is and why you might want to get prep done before you send things into Amazon. So this one, we're going to talk about fulfillment. So the famous FBM, Fulfilled by Merchants. Why is that, first of all, something that might even matter? Why is it something we should consider? We've got the mighty FBA centers. Why do we need to bother with this? FBA is awesome, right? But now with Amazon's new restrictions coming up, everybody's getting hit with those. So now people need to find a way where they can still sell their products to uh, to their customer. And if they're not able to send their goods into FBA, then they can ship directly to their consumer. And they could use prep centers who also offer FBM services, which are very few, or direct fulfillment centers that will ship directly to their consumers. So let's just unpick the difference in a bit of terminology there. So we've got FC or fulfillment center, which is what um, Amazon calls their, what I might call a warehouse. So that's another word. And then we've got this word 3PL, third-party logistics. So what is the difference between all these things? So somebody who has a warehouse, right? It's more so for people who are looking for long-term storage. So if you're looking for a warehouse, you're looking to store goods and any whenever you need to pick them out, you can get the warehouse to do that for you. Essentially, they're all pretty much synonymous. Warehouse, fulfillment center, distribution center, 3PL, all of these things. But the major difference between just a warehouse and a fulfillment center is warehouse specializes in providing you providing you area to store your goods versus the fulfillment center who are optimized for efficiency and getting things in and out versus long-term storage. Yeah, and I think it is actually really important that people, if you haven't dealt with it before, and that's not something I've personally dealt with. I know some of my clients in the bigger companies and more established ones have their own warehouses that are also geared to fulfillment. But I think it's very, very important to be clear about the difference there because, you know, it's a different job. I mean, simply receiving pallets and then leaving them there and making sure perhaps they don't rot or whatever, but for months at a time is a different job, isn't it, to a very busy pick and pack scenario. So what would you say are the the benefits of using a fulfillment center as opposed to uh, a warehouse then? So the number one uh, advantage is that you get to buy yourself a whole lot of time, right? You're no longer keeping the goods on you. That means you're no longer shipping them. You have somebody else taking care of that. And what the good thing is you, you're able to cut down on so much cost, right? It's not like you're spending this extra money. You're actually saving money because when you're using a fulfillment center, they're shipping goods on behalf of hundreds of clients, right? And the shipping rates that those guys get are based on the aggregate volume of all of the sellers who are using their service. So when FedEx gives shipping rates to a small business who's shipping like, let's say, 100 or 200 or 500 orders, it's going to be very small compared to the discounts the fulfillment centers are getting who are shipping thousands of orders a day. and what these fulfillment centers do is the difference between 
they make money on the difference between the rate that they're getting and the rate that they're charging you, but the rate they're charging you is still way better than the rate you would have been able to get on your own. So it almost just pays for itself and it's a win-win situation because of the volume. Yeah, I mean, I guess that only works if your fulfillment center is charging you moderate rates. But yeah, if they make money, the difference between what they get and what they charge you, but it's less than what the, I suppose the, what would you call it? The, the courier services. Moderate yeah. rates, because if they don't, then there's somebody else and they're not going to have clients. So the yeah. good part for you is that, if fulfillment center is using their rates to attract you, right? And if they're not able to do that, then you'll go to somebody else. Good point. Yeah. So there's a self-correcting mechanism. Yeah. And, and again, I guess if you're considering doing it yourself, the overhead is considerable for having your own warehouse. I mean, you've got to say, I suppose it's a hedge against third party things breaking down or just not being available. I know that one of the things you've, you've pointed out is that actually this may be a wonderful thing, but it's not always going to happen because there are a lot of there's a lot of demand on fulfillment centers now I and mean, what's the reality on the ground in sort of mid q4 2020 right now the q4 is always super hectic right it's yeah, for sellers and also for fulfillment centers and amazon everybody is just so busy right it's because the sales volume is just so much higher right a lot of people call q4 basically q1 to q3 that's how crazy the volume is and when all the sellers are busy, it means fulfillment centers are busy. So, you know, you might find one, do all your research and, you know, pick up your top one. And now you're ready to move forward. And then you call them and they say, hey, we can't take on new clients until February. Right. And that's that's something you don't want to get hit with. So uh, as you're sh- making a short list, you want to hit up all those guys and say, hey, do you actually have room to take on more clients? And especially this year because of COVID sales, e-commerce sales, it's been like Q4 for every quarter. Q1 to Q3 was also like Q4. And now Q4 is getting hit extra hard, right? You see Amazon opening up all these fulfillment centers. They've been doing that through the years, but now the pace is just so much higher and all the fulfillment centers are packed. So give them a call, see if they're accepting new clients. Yeah, it's a good reality check. There's not always a buyer's market for people wanting to uh, get services in, in this industry. And I suppose what you've got to be realistic about as well. And I was talking to a uh, logistics and freight guy yesterday for the podcaster, Neil Curran, and he was saying, yeah, to be honest, sea freight is a real problem right now because it's normally like three or four X the normal rate, like 400% increase. And that's not pretty. So I guess you've got to expect everything, including fulfillment to cost you a bit more as well. So I think what's important is to pay, compare apples to apples. It's no good comparing what you were charged last year in 1919 or 20, I say 1919, 2019. It feels like a century ago, but it's only a year. And for fulfillment, what one matters is how much it costs warehouse A or fulfillment center A versus center B, right? Because I think it's important to, to be real about the fact that 2020 everything's different and by 2021 if you're listening to this mid 2021 might be different again as well have you seen a a big jump in in your costs in the last of while honestly not because our operation costs are pretty much the same right and it's not like labor is hard to find because a lot of people are out of jobs because of covid right so those are pretty much the biggest costs of a fulfillment center Hmm. and all but you know what space says space is actually an issue right even though all the retail stores are getting hit and you'll see people canceling their leases and uh, a lot of empty space industrial side b2b it's just it's it's still a landlord's market it's almost impossible to find warehouse space right now uh, yes if you want a, a good business model for property i think and joking apart is it, it, i know several people that have uh, come across it, uh, in the in private 
conversations and also publicly in the newspapers in the UK, which is a very crowded little place, by the way, unlike Canada or the US. But I know parts of the US and Canada are very crowded, but lots of it, there's lots of space. Yeah, people creating fulfillment spaces or warehousing spaces for e-commerce is quite a big growth area. So as you say, it's probably a seller's market for that. But apart from that, it sounds like they shouldn't be expecting ridiculous increases of costs. Well, talking of costs then, let's break down a bit. What are the cost components of a fulfillment center? How how do the costs break down for a seller? Yeah, so at a fulfillment center, you're essentially paying for four different things, right? One is receiving, the second is storage, the third is pick and pack, and lastly is the shipping, right? Now, depending on the fulfillment center, some might offer free receiving or some might even offer free storage, right? And some actually do have free pick and pack. So everybody has a different cost structure, but they all still have to make money, right? Some, uh, they're just making money in different ways. So uh, number one is receiving. When your goods come in, whether it's coming directly from you or your supplier, you're paying the fulfillment center. Even if somebody has free receiving, you'll just pay that somewhere else. But that's one of the components. Next is storage. So depending on how many different SKUs you have and how many pieces you're keeping of each and the size of each unit, you need, uh, you're, they're going to charge you based on the space you're using. Whether you're keeping your items in bins or pallets or shelves, you have to pay for that space. Next is the picking and packing. Picking and packing is every time uh, the fulfillment center receives their order, they need to go into their inventory, they need to get your items, they need to put them in a box or put them in a polymer bag, whatever you ask them, package it up and slap on a FedEx UPS label and then give it to the carrier. So that is called a pick and pack. And when they give it to the carrier, the shipping itself, they charge you for it. And you might get way better rates through a fulfillment center, like I was talking about before, than on your own. But it's still a rate that you have to pay. So at the end of the day, you're paying for the receiving, you're paying for the storage, you're paying for the pick and pack and the shipping. And also one thing to keep in mind is, ask your fulfillment center, are there any minimums, right? Because the majority of fulfillment centers do have minimums, whether it comes to minimum storage fees or minimum pick and pack fees. And also a lot of them have integration fees. So let's say you, a lot of most people use Shopify or WooCommerce, all the popular ones, right? But if you have, because there's actually hundreds of different carts and depending on which country you're in or whatever you signed up with or whoever made your website, right? You might be using a cart that they're not familiar with or is not popular in the area where you're looking at the fulfillment center. So they might charge you to do a custom integration. And there's other... Uh, fulfillment centers who actually charge an onboarding fee. So to actually become their client before you actually use any of their services, they're going to say, okay, you got to pay $500 up front. For all of these questions, everyone's going to have a different cost component. And you want to pick up the phone, you want to get your emails ready and ask them, hey, are there any minimums? Are there any sign-up fees? And those are some of the things that are so, so important to ask because people miss them all the time and then they get hit with those. Yeah, thank you. That's really great. And I think the, the the real thing that strikes me is anything to do with the supply chain, whether it's getting freight stuff from China into UK, USA, China, Canada, wherever you're selling, Europe, they're the main markets that I deal with, or you're fulfilling. A lot of it comes to the same thing, which is attention to detail at every single stage through that process. If there's labor involved there's going to be some kind of cost. If there's materials involved, there'll be a cost. There will be materials a lot less expensive, generally speaking, when it comes to logistics and fulfillment than than labour. I mean, the cost of a, a little poly bag is not as much as paying somebody an hourly rate. But thank you for putting our attention on a lot of detailed questions. So you mentioned integrations. Obviously, for, for, the, main, for the listeners of this podcast, the main thing we're interested in is the Amazon integrations, but obviously there are other things that a lot of people who have significant Amazon presence often these days have 
you know, a, a web store of their own kind, Shopify, Magento, WooCommerce, whatever it is. So how do you deal with that? Because obviously it's critical to get that right. Otherwise, you're going to end up with on Amazon getting basically banned from Amazon if your defect rate is too bad, if you ship late. So how do we deal with that in an elegant way? So you want to ask your performance center when their cutoff time is. And some will let you pick their cutoff time and some will actually, most of them do same day shipping, right? But a lot do next day shipping, right? Now, if you're selling on Amazon, you can integrate Amazon with all the performance centers, at least the biggest ones or the most popular ones, I should say. And your orders will basically get pushed. Your FBM orders will get pushed from Amazon over to the performance center's dashboard. And the performance center will process the order, provide you the tracking number, then tracking number gets pushed back again to Amazon where the customer can now track their order. Now, this entire process, it's if you're selling on Amazon, you know how important it is to ship on time. That, that basically dictates how well your account is going to do. And especially over time, like there might be times, you know, like Q4 where the fulfillment centers are busy and they're shipping like thousands of orders a minute and you know they really can't get your orders out the same day and amazon understand is understanding in those times as well because so are the customers but anything apart from that you want to make sure the fulfillment center processes the orders the same day according to the cutoff time you guys decided yeah it's a really important point i I also i i guess amazon has a degree of understanding Here's what I would say that my experience of Amazon, any generalization you make about Amazon is subject to a lot of exceptions on a fairly random seeming variability basis. So what I would say is if you are anything but absolutely on the late shipping you know, within the late shipping guidelines you are risking it in my opinion i mean at q4 they're going to have to flex it a bit but they probably aren't going to be very flexible in my experience yeah. what happens generally is the algorithm flags it up as a problem you may get your account suspended if you're unlucky you may get a warning on your account pretty certainly you may get some other issues around certain listings you may get other restrictions and then you're going to have to raise it as a case and you may or may not get somebody intelligent and you may or may not get it you know, taken off your account. So I would suggest that you are, if you're an Amazon seller, very, very selective about who you work with to do your shipping because you're going to have to keep that defect low. What are your thoughts on that one? I want to add another point to that, Michael. So uh, let's say you're an Amazon seller, right? Your orders are going to be, you're going to be shipping out more orders on Monday than you are shipping out on any other day. That's because you have the accumulation of the weekend's orders, right? And maybe even Friday's order. And if you find... Uh, uh, that's when you're more more susceptible to falling behind on shipping the orders, right? Because you have a higher volume than you did for the rest of the week. And uh, the way you're operating or, you know, you can't just miss a day. But if you took care of your weekend orders on Saturday and Sunday, then you wouldn't have this problem. But, you know, most people like to take, you know, chill and take that as a day off and are trying to uh, turn everything off, right? Now, some fulfillment centers are actually working seven days. So if you can find a fulfillment center like that, that would be ideal because then the exact same problem that you're facing on Monday, they're facing that too. And they're facing it on a higher degree because they're doing that for all the sellers, right? But if they're working on Saturday and Sunday, then they're able to flatten the curve a little bit by distributing it evenly, the number, number of orders they're getting. And if you find somebody like that, that's going to reduce the, reduce the workload on the fulfillment center and reduce your chances of getting flagged by Amazon. That's a good point. I guess in my naive small businessman way, I just assumed everyone would work seven days a week in Q4. And that's probably a very naive assumption. So yeah, I guess you need to double check that with the FC. That's another question to ask your fulfillment center, isn't it? Do you work seven days a week? I have to say personally, again, knowing Amazon the way I do for better and for worse, I probably would simply not use somebody that doesn't do seven days a week shipping. Having said that, of course, it's availability. They may not be available. So yeah. There's also an 
exception to that, right? So you can, even if somebody doesn't operate seven days, right, you can ask them, what do they do to, to combat this issue? Maybe they have double the staff from working on Monday, right? So uh, it's just not a matter of fact of whether they work seven days or not. It's what are they doing about this problem and do they understand this problem? I guess that, that would make sense. Yeah, no, it's just trees worth the conversation. Although, yeah, I find that a strange idea that you'd have double the staff in on Mondays and why not just have them in on Sunday? I, I guess, you know, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, this is their problem, not mine. <laughs> I'm going to run a fulfillment center to say, yeah, I don't quite understand why we do that. But anyway, I, I guess for me, weekends aren't so much of a thing at, at this time of year, like many Amazon sellers. So tell there's me about the other marketplaces. Staff, Sorry. Actually. There's more availability of staff on weekdays, right, compared to weekends. Mm, good point well like yes i guess as somebody who runs a fulfillment center you know that the reality is on the ground there uh, but put it this way you've flagged up a really really important point that you want to get sorted because if you haven't especially if you you just unlucky with the statistics if you don't have that many orders in week one and then in week two you have a load of orders in the weekend and then they get delivered late then you could end up with a percentage of late shipments that week that is enough to get your account suspended by amazon and that's the kind of thing that happens all the time so I think you got to be very, very careful there is my advice. And, and thank you for flagging up that point, which I hadn't thought of at all. Tell me about integrations with other marketplaces, eBay, Etsy, Walmart. I know they're not generally for most of us a significant percentage of our sales, but they're becoming more significant for many people now. How do you deal with those integrations? What should you look out for there? We integrate as at ShipPipe, we integrate with all of those, right? And depending on the marketplace you're selling, you want to ask the fulfillment center, hey, do you integrate with this, this and this and that, right? And if, even if they don't, there's actually ways to combat that. So let's say you're integrated with ShipStation, right? And um, some people might be familiar with ShipStation or Shippo or any of those softwares where you can manage all your orders. Those softwares integrate with pretty much all of the marketplaces. And you can get the fulfillment center to just integrate with ShipStation or any other major software like that. And this way, even if they don't, they'll get the orders pushed back and it solves your problem. Excellent. So if they don't have a direct integration with the, the actual uh, marketplaces like eBay, Etsy, Walmart, whatever, they can use something like ShipStation or some other software, which presumably you as the, well, we as the sellers would, would need to run and you as the fulfillment center would then just plug into, you wouldn't sort of offer that yourselves then. It's actually a very easy integration, right? So majority of the fulfillment centers will do all the major ones like Shopify, WooCommerce, eBay, Walmart, all of these, right? I'm talking about cases where that's not possible or, you know, depending on you, you might integrate with all of those, but you like to manage all your orders in one place and fulfillment centers do integrate directly with just like they didn't integrate with Shopify, they'll integrate with ShipStation. So they're just getting orders from one source and you're able to also track your inventory and the tracking numbers and all of that stuff in one place. So that's one of my recommendations to people. That's a very good point, actually, because I guess once you're outside the FBA world, which is mostly the, the, the pond I swim in, if you like, as a big old ocean, but outside that, yeah, I guess you're talking about multi-channel fulfillment and therefore you want to have it all go through one system so you can track it and, and, and have an oversight of what's happening. And yeah, and then, then you're getting into a slightly different way of doing things. But yeah, that does make sense. So I guess it's probably better to have ShipStation within your own e-commerce uh, thing and then use that as the integration hub for your fulfillment guys rather than just have multiple different websites plugged into fulfillment center but without you having the oversight of it is that is that what you're saying yes that's exactly it okay yeah it does make sense actually and i guess it comes down to 
um, that thing we were saying last episode, right? Delegate, don't advocate. In other words, you have to, as a business owner or operator, I guess, if you're the COO technically, if you've got a bigger operation or if you're just the one or two person uh, band, you've got to keep responsibility for and tabs on where the heck your stock is, how much stock you've got left and so forth, because that's going to be even worse if you're selling stuff that you don't have in stock that's a great way to get your account banned on amazon as well i think so yeah we've got to be careful with quite a few things here again it comes down to the attention to detail that you've already flagged up what are the other do's and don'ts that we're missing here in in terms of using a fulfillment center so one of the biggest do's is call them ask them if they have any minimums right we talked about this a bit earlier too but i want to touch on it again because of how important it is and also another do is ask them how often they change their prices right because the pricing you might be satisfied with right now, especially if you're setting up in Q1, ask them if they have any different pricing in Q4. Amazon has different prices in Q4, and not every fulfillment center does, but a lot of them do. And uh, that's just the way they manage things. And the biggest don't, mm, there's there's a lot of don'ts actually, but I think the biggest one is don't find, uh, actually I'll start with a do first because this was kind of related. So find a fulfillment center that can service a large portion of the population in the, in the country you're looking for. Like for example, our, our fulfillment center is located in Toronto, which is in Ontario, right? Canada is pretty big, right? Size wise and population is decent too, but 40% of the population of Canada is in one province, right? Which is Ontario. Now, if we're located in Ontario, we're, we're in Toronto, right? And when we're shipping out, if you can get one day shipping to the whole province, which you will, because we are in that same province, that's amazing. Versus if I was in, if our fulfillment center was in a province where we only had 5% or 10% of the population, right? And also the neighboring popula- uh, neighboring provinces are uh, big populations as well. So you'll have a quicker time. And the same thing in the States, right? For us, we only have one location, but there are fulfillment centers who have multiple locations covering East Coast, West Coast, North and South. And if you're able to distribute your inventory, you can pretty much get two-day shipping and get that Amazon Prime badge and all of that stuff by distributing your inventory. And getting that Amazon Prime badge, so Seller Fulfilled Prime, which is SFP, if you want another three-letter abbreviation that knocks around the Amazon groups. Yeah, that's a very, very good point, actually. I guess you've got to be, again, FBA, because it does have, it shifts everything between different warehouses, and it may be a minor frustration where we go, oh, my inventory is not available because it's being moved to warehouses. Okay, but they're doing it for you guys. That's an amazing thing, because as soon as you're outside the FBA warehouse system, again, we really have to think about this, and you make an extremely valid point. And I guess a little bit of geographical education goes a long way right i had no idea that 40 percent of the canadian population was just in ontario so now i know <laughs> so that's really worth knowing because that means that i can efficiently reach quite a big percentage of the population with one location and particularly in north america i mean because the the uh, distances are so vast that becomes an extremely important point in britain uh, or the netherlands it's less critical for example i know the netherlands has bold.com which is a marketplace similar to amazon but specific to the netherlands and belgium netherlands are very crowded little country and and like a lot of, of britain is and there's only i think like 17 million people there but they're on a really small space so one warehouse will just take care of all of that whereas in north mm. america vast spaces with no people right so thank you for flagging that one up that's great I well look, tell us that point, actually, please do one more thing so besides actually, besides the shipping being faster, right, it's actually cheaper too, because the carriers have to, you know, the carriers work by zones, right? And those zones are calculated based on, based on basically the diameter that they have fixed up. So they say, uh, sorry, the radius that they have fixed. And 
when you're shipping from Ontario to Ontario, it's going to be cheaper than if you're shipping from Ontario to the other side of Canada, right? If you're able to distribute your inventory per order, you're going to pay cheaper because if you're shipping from California, you get your California orders from California and your New York orders from New York, shipping is way cheaper than if you were shipped from California to New York. The only thing is that you have to distribute your inventory. And some people say, then I have to invest in four times more than inventory if I am keeping it in four different places. But no, that's not the case because you just end up projecting your orders, right? Like if if 40% of your orders are from Ontario, then you're going to keep 40% of your inventory there, right? Not 100% there and then 100% add somewhere else. You make a very good point. And weirdly enough, yesterday I was talking to a British guy who's a logistics, so freight side rather than fulfillment, and about Brexit and the fact that we used to have the ability to store and for a lot of North American sellers, particularly was a great thing to just store your infantry in, in Amazon, FBA, so fulfillment center in the UK, and then sell it anywhere in Europe from the 1st of January 2021. That's obviously not going to be possible because of Brexit. When I say, obviously, if you hadn't heard this news before, that's the case, folks. Don't bank on the British government getting an agreement with the EU. I would not put money on it. And so, yeah, th- this feels like a similar level of awareness of, of matching supply and demand in, in the sense that we need to think about once we get outside the FBA system in North America, whether that's Canada or, or uh, USA, we need to think about what percentage of our sales happen in certain areas and then making sure that we send a percentage of our stock in the store in that area relative to demand right and it's exactly the same thing if you sell you know 30 percent of your european sales are in germany and the rest is uk for example similar thing you would ship directly to uk for a certain amount of your stock and then the rest of it to germany so it feels like in the end a similar thing which is we need to educate ourselves about the geography we need to educate ourselves about the demand of our products and where they're physically selling and then we need to match up where our our inventory goes so i guess we're just asking for more of more awareness and and thus more fine tuning of what we do but as you say we don't necessarily need to go nuts and just double the inventory order that would be probably pretty pretty poor idea so there's some really 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 good don'ts uh, do's there sorry thank you very much for those what about the don'ts what are the classic mistakes we should avoid then when we are hiring a fulfillment center to do uh, fulfillment on our behalf so don't just you know dive in. Make sure you do your research, right? Check your check the reviews online. See what their other customers are saying. And I think we talked about this in the previous podcast. You want to talk to them first, right? So don't just sign up on their website and then send your goods beforehand. We actually have some clients who will find our address on the website and just send the goods to us without actually ever speaking to us. And then we have shipments and we don't know who it's coming from. And then like literally a case we had recently where somebody sent in the goods and then two weeks later they contacted us saying, hey. Um, I signed up through you guys and I, I'm like, well, we don't see your account. They're like, oh, we already send the goods to you, right? So don't do stuff like this. You want to make sure that you're communicating properly for everything from the first step to the last step. And uh, the rest of the don'ts, right, are pretty much the opposite of the do's. So if as long as you're doing the do's, you're automatically avoiding the don'ts. <laughs> do the do's and don't do the don'ts. Yeah, I like it. But but you're right. I mean, I think you flagged up something really important, which is just never send stuff to somebody without an agreement that they're going to receive it. I mean, it sounds kind of obvious, but Happens. I'm trying to think what I've done it myself. I don't think I've actually done that myself, but I've come close. I mean, <laughs> it's just easily done when you're panicking. You think, oh my God, I've got goods coming in from China. I've got to get them to a prep center. And yeah, you just need to make sure you've actually talked to them and they're expecting your goods, right? Otherwise... They may just—they're basically lost, and they could be just stuck in a warehouse. If if a UPS guy turns up in the middle of a frantically busy day and they don't know what the hell it is, they'll put it on a pile of stuff marked 
what the heck is this? And you might look at it after three days, right? I've had that happen to, to clients of mine. So classic do's and don'ts and um, some really useful information. Thanks very much, Waleed. So tell us about your service at ShipPipe. What is it that you offer in terms of fulfillment for, for e-commerce sellers? Well, we're a fulfillment center. We offer many different services, right? Number one is e-commerce fulfillment. We also do fulfillment for subscription box businesses and also for a lot of larger companies who need their own internal distribution. So they're not sending to their consumers, but they're sending directly to their own stores. So let's say they got to restock their own retail stores, right? But as far as e-commerce fulfillment goes, we have a lot of clients who have Shopify stores, WooCommerce stores, and a lot of Amazon sellers who are doing the FBM, the FBM model. And FBM model is just becoming more and more popular and people are depending on it way more because they know they can't depend on Amazon as much, especially after they got hit with those limits. And we pretty much service businesses of all sizes, right? We don't have any minimums and we don't have any uh, contracts either. So if people, for whatever reason, aren't happy with the service, they can just take their stuff back and, and move on and find another solution. And why we offer this and don't tie people into these contracts is because we believe so much in our service, right? And that's that's the heart of that's the heart of like basic economics too. If we're not providing them enough value, right? Then they should then they should have that option to you know move on and find somebody else who can do a better job. And we just feel so strongly that we provide them enough value where they won't leave us. Nice. Yeah, I like it. I have to say that it's, it's not in your favor, but it is you're, you're letting the free market decide if people are going to stick with you or not. So that shows you've got faith in your, your services anyway. So you guys have got locations in Toronto and in Canada and LA in the USA and in, in obviously in California. So for those who want to go elsewhere, I believe you're gener- generous enough to offer a download of, of some prep centers. And that's not quite the same as fulfillment centers, is it? But I guess that, that people may have a need for both things. So how do we get access to that? Yeah, so if people need a prep center, right, they can definitely be prepared a list. And prep center is a little bit different than a fulfillment center because they're geared strictly for Amazon versus the fulfillment center who will serve any marketplace, right? For the prep center, we prepared a list in case, because a lot of prep centers are at the same time fulfillment centers, just like ours. And there's plenty of other ones, right? Which will do prep services and they'll also do FBM services. So Michael will tell you where you guys can find that link. And aside from that, if you guys are looking for fulfillment centers, right, hit us up. We have services we can offer you in Toronto, in Canada, and also in Los Angeles, California. And, you know, if you're looking for a fulfillment center somewhere else, still let us know and we'll put you in touch with somebody we trust and we know they'll do a good job in a different state. Excellent. Well, that's very kind and, and generous offer. By the way, yes, if you want to get that list of prep centers, go to amazingfba.com forward slash ship hype. S-H-I-P for ship, hype, H-Y-P-E. Uh, amazingfba.com forward slash ship hype. If you want to get those, um, I'm going to I'm going to really test whether I'm getting pops or not on my microphone with that address. The other thing I will just mention is I've got a list here of the things you guys do and you're hiding a light under your bushel a bit there, bushel, Waleed. So, the dashboard that you offer and you've got a 24-hour turnaround and a dedicated rep i think we ought to just kind of dig into what it is you offer people because these are good quality things oh yeah so dashboard is super key right because dashboard and account manager kind of go hand in hand so how it used to be was before you know the software was so good there were still fulfillment centers they've been existing for a long time and most of the time they used to they used to call in and have a account manager or somebody who process their orders right and now as we've seen a shift to dashboards where people can log in and view their inventory, track their orders, all of that stuff, a lot of the account managers have disappeared because you know, you're able to automate a lot of the services that you would ask account managers to do. But we still think it's important because 
the kind of business that we, we, businesses we deal with all are actually unique, right? What a certain businesses needs are way different than another. Even though most businesses pretty easy models, but a lot of them have special requirements. Like somebody might need us to provide a serial number or additional tracking or all of it could just or like quality control. It could just be anything. And we find it important to provide an account manager who people can stay in touch with at all times, right? And if they want to get a status of something, the dashboard sure it's available. But you know, when you get that one-on-one touch with a person and you know they're on the floor at the warehouse, they're able to provide you pictures and literally do anything for you that. You would be able to do if you were on the warehouse floor so we have a dedicated account rep we provide to each client and even before that we have a whole onboarding process so when you go on our website and actually sign up we'll we'll get on a call with you and understand your exact needs see what your requirements are and what exactly you're looking for before we get you started excellent well those are really not small things i mean compared to the other fcs or, or 3pls that i've used in my my time so third-party logistics warehouses or fulfillment centers that's really powerful because a lot of the time you get past and i understand why they do it but you get past from every time you phone them up it's a randomly different person i'm not really blaming them but it's a heck of a lot better to have a consistent person so that's really powerful not to be underestimated and also just because i've got my notes here it's a good job we had this chat before you turn around within 24 hours even in q4 right that's huge by the way a lot of warehouses will turn things around it takes them seven to ten days at this time of year i mean is, is that really for real so those times are realistic and uh, you know it is because people are busier prep centers are busier than usual right our solution to that is just hire more people right it's it might be a problem for other people depending on where they are right and with covid it's it's kind of, like some people can say it's difficult but i think it's made it easier because a lot more people don't have jobs but at the same time depending on where you live it might actually pay you to stay at home versus doing a job so they can have more difficulty and that results in longer turnaround times. But on our end, we've had a 24-hour turnaround time no matter what the request is, right? With a few exceptions, obviously. Like if somebody sends a 40-feet container, like four of them, and they got to unload it, right? Then we let them know, hey, your volume is different than the average order we get. So we need this time. And they always know, they understand this. If someone's at that volume, right, they already know that uh, it's going to take longer than expected. But for 99% of requests, they're done with the same day or 24 hours. I, I can't emphasize enough how important that is to anyone listening. I mean, I'm not saying that you should go with Walid and Chip Pipe necessarily, but you really, really ought to quiz your warehouse about that because I'm working with a client right now and we're trying to ship stock in def- desperately to restock in the middle of Q4. And of course, the turnaround times are just, you know, seven days, 10 days, two weeks in some cases. And I don't blame them. I understand they're just over capacity, but that doesn't help me and my clients. So that's a really important point. And also, I think the fact there's no minimum spend is really great. So I, I guess the cheapest it could be, what, what's the sort of cheapest you would end up being able to do sort of uh, fulfillment pricing for people Walid. so if you're spending less money with us that's actually it, it sucks for us and also sucks for you because it means that you're not moving enough volume right but at the same time we've noticed that we used to have minimums we used to have minimums we used to have minimum storage fees minimum pick and pack fees but we've taken those out because we noticed that an account that's starting with us right and once they're using a fulfillment center, almost all the accounts are able to get to higher volumes eventually because they're, like I mentioned earlier, right? People are hiring fulfillment centers because they can now have time. And once they hire a fulfillment center, they now have time to actually grow their business. So even if somebody's starting at zero orders and in like six months from now or a year from now, they're going to be at volumes, which they, which is higher than zero, right? Or, and a lot of the times they're able to become very, very large businesses because they've have all this extra time to grow their business. But even if let's say somebody was storing a pallet with us or a bin, for us, a bin is a dollar per month, right? And 
for e-commerce fulfillment are receiving is free. So they would literally be paying $1 per month if they're using just that one bin. That's the real minimum cost. We, we don't have any clients who are just using a bin and they're not shipping any orders. But hypothetically, that is very possible. Amazing. Well, yeah, that would be pretty absurd. But a dollar minimum is is, <laughs> is affordable for anybody, I think. So, yeah, I mean, if people want to get hold of you, where do they need to go, Wally, to get hold of you? So they can message me on LinkedIn. My name is Waleed Shazad, right? You should be able to find me. But besides that, email is the best. Waleed at shiphype.com. W-A-L-E-E-D at shiphype.com. Go to our website, shiphype.com. In the top right, there's a big blue get started button. Impossible to miss. And get on that entry information. We'll get on a call with you and understand what you're looking for. If we can't help you out, we'll put you in the right direction. But we'll try our best to help you out. Amazing. Well, you guys are super generous. Apart from having no minimums and turning stuff around and within 24 hours, a dedicated rep. These are not small things, in my experience. Really aren't. <laughs> you're willing to pass people on to other people if you can't help them. So amazing service that you're offering people. So, uh, Willie, thank you so much for coming on the show. Michael, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate your time. And yeah, looking forward to do this a third time. If you make between eight and 30,000 euros or dollars a month on Amazon, so about six to 22,000 pounds, this is worth a minute of your time. I've noticed a consistent problem for e-commerce sellers around this level of sales. They've got one, two, or even several products making decent sales. They've got market research and they have their sourcing in place. In short, they've done the basics of launching products and of their business but too many are driving blind. Usually they don't know their numbers, whether they're financial or marketing. Often they are lurching from uncontrolled spikes in sales to going out of stock and nearly always they lack a clear roadmap for the next phase of growth. Their business is in short, unstable, probably not very profitable and certainly unsellable. Step forward, the 10K tune-up. The 10K tune-up is a process to hone sellers' businesses at this critical point in their growth. It will make your business more stable and more profitable. You will work together with me one-to-one -to, -one to help organize your finances and marketing data. We will get to you the best use of your accountant to keep on top of your numbers and of your freight forwarder to stay in stock and keep making money. Once that's stable, we will work together on a product roadmap to get to seven figures a year in profitable sales over the next one to three years. In short, we will help you turn your business into an asset that makes you money now and, which you can if you want, sell in future for a healthy six or even seven figure sum. To find out more about how that works, just go to www.amazingfba.com forward slash tuneup. That's amazingfba.com forward slash T-U-N-E-U-P. Thanks for listening. Thanks so much for listening to the 10K Collective podcast, part of the family of Amazing FBA podcasts. Today's episode is sponsored by the new e-commerce podcast, The E-Commerce Leader. The podcast is hosted by yours truly and Jason Miles, multi-million dollar Shopify owner and Unimi's highest rated e-commerce instructor. If you're the owner of a thriving online business and you want to become the best e-commerce leader you can be, it's got your name on it. For free guides and mini courses on many topics, go to www.theecommerceleader.com.